The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. And welcome to a brand new episode of the Two Point Conversation Football Talk for Fans by Fans right here on the network at BICBP-radio.com. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts, and alongside with me every single Friday for your NFL history episodes. All the way down in Texas, Mr. Andrew Lenz. Andrew, happy Friday to you. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. It is uh, great to be in Texas and that I don't have to deal with the cold weather. I always check on the, I always check on the weather, you know, to, to remind myself of the weather down here and how nice it actually is because I'm starting to climatize to this weather. I'm like, oh, it's cold. Like when I was up there in the, in the, in the beginning of September, you know, I was waiting for outside of the parking lot for you. And I'm like, what? what's the temperature? And you're like, dude, it's 60 degrees. I'm like, it's, it's cold out here. It's a little chilly. And you're like, it's, I am fine. I have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. It's very chilly right now. We're in the thirties and forties. So that's, that's kind of where we're at. That's, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, Western York is cold. Simply put, it is cold. Um, but we are in the midst. Yeah. It really is the middle of the month, huh? Almost at the end of, uh, Almost just about, just about. We are talking the uh, the the trade month. The f- I guess fresh starts, anyway. But the month of trades, midseason trades, and people finding a little bit of redemption. And uh, we we've listed a couple great names so far. We did an episode on Eric Dickerson last week. This week we're going to hone in on uh, an interesting quarterback. In the in NFL history, one I, I don't know where he stands in a lot of people's opinions, but one that I've I've respected and, and that I've I've respected him enough. Let's just say that I, I respect this quarterback quite a bit. I even have his jersey hanging on the wall. Um, kind of see it in the background a little bit for Andrew because this isn't a video podcast. Um, but uh, but yeah, today we're gonna talk about Carson Palmer. All right, the. Uh, he wants future of the Cincinnati Bengals organization, who is uh, a wall of famer now in Arizona. So let's get this thing underway. Andrew, your first time. Uh, I mean, you, you've obviously been watching football a lot longer than I have. But uh, what do you remember hearing and learning about Carson Palmer? Carson Palmer, okay, was even before the NFL, was this guy at USC. And USC was always a powerhouse. It was one of those things where my father was kind of a, he never really showed what college football team he liked, but if you asked him, he said USC. And he would always say, oh, USC was great, you know, great running backs, OJ Simpson, Ricky Bell, and I believe Mike Garrett went there as well, but they weren't as big when I was growing up. And, you know, 
from the 80s all the way into the 90s until the early 2000s like they were okay but it wasn't anything and then all of a sudden Carson Palmer uh, 2002 I want to say was just like this guy that was leading this Trojan comeback as you could say (laughs) and it was like wow this guy's great even though I personally never even watched him because he had okay numbers in college, but nothing too great. But then all of a sudden he he was that guy and he was like, this is your first round pick or first overall pick. This is where he's good go. This is guy's great and everything else. So that's my first impression of Carson Palmer was what, what is he going to be in the NFL? And then I did go out and I did get his Jersey. So I did have a Carson Palmer number nine Jersey with, the Bengals but as I got to watch him play he was exciting he 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 wasn't the flashiest guy but he was more you know work pal type guy he was gonna go out there you didn't really know nothing about him and I think a lot of times he was overshadowed by his Cincinnati Bengals teammates I at one point uh, as we're gonna probably talk because we're talking about this trade is the Dolphins were kind of in the mix for Carson Palmer. And if he would have got traded to the Dolphins, my son, my youngest son, I would have pushed very hard for his name to be Carson. Because hmm. I was I was excited. And that was, was he my favorite quarterback? No, but I was excited to actually have a quarterback or get some sort of talented quarterback back in Miami at that point. No, of course. Carson Palmer is one of those guys, like you said, he, he wasn't my favorite quarterback, but did I hate him? No. And that's how it was, is he just wasn't flashy. He was in that Tom Brady, Peyton Manning era where you had all these guys, and then there was just Carson Palmer just getting the job done. Yeah, he was never like this 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 high-profile kind of quarterback. I'm trying to think of people to compare him to. Um. I mean, I like be cool with like Phil Sims, but even he was more talented than Phil Sims. Right. I feel he had a lot of gifts, but he just, uh, yeah. I mean, I think his tenure with some of these teams were just terrible. Um, they were really awful. I, I've always kind of been aware of Carson, at least as far as his, his playing career goes. But, um, you know, I, I remember, you know, back growing up, Big Colts fan, NFL 2K5. I I absolutely adored Chad Johnson, of course, 85. And, uh, you know, I played as the Bengals quite a bit. When I was at the Colts, I played as the Bengals. I like Chad Johnson and Carson Palmer was was QB1. He was doing, he did, he, you know, he, he, he got the job done, so to speak. But like really immersing myself when, when I started immersing myself in football in 2014, 2015-ish, Arizona got hot. And 2015, they were really, really good. Like that might have been Carson Palmer's career year. I we're gonna look over the stats, you know, at, towards the end of this episode. But um, he had the, the the Cardinals at 14 and two, and they made it all the way to the NFC Championship game where Carolina squashed them. But um, Arizona was a damn good football team in 2015, and that's my memory. That's that's you know that was one of my last memories of him. He got he played the following year. He got hurt. And then he decided to retire. But um, Carson Palmer's always had this this weird aura, this weird legacy around him. 
I think. But that 2015 season is probably the most standout one to me. You see me? It's it's funny that you say that because I know the 2015 season, but I'm still, I don't know if I got that. Once again, old man mentality. It's it's like 2005 <laughs> Bengals type Carson Palmer. And I love that it's kind of that way because we've, we've done that before on the Facebook page. You know, what team do you think of when you think of this player? You probably most likely think of the Cardinals, and I'm like all Bengals when I think of Carson Palmer. It's a good Facebook post. It is. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe I'll have to work that one in. But um, but yeah, I, I've always appreciated Carson. I, I probably wouldn't have gotten his jersey if it weren't for that 2015 season. So um, I, I really do like that Carson Palmer jersey. It is his Arizona Cardinals one. Uh, but yeah, he, he has such an up and down career, very storied career, but. Uh, his, you know, he had, he had a decent run in Cincinnati, a decent run. He was dependable for the most part, but you know, it, his path to Arizona was because of a lot was because of trades and a mid season trade at that, uh, which we're going to talk about momentarily that that really helped propel him for the rest of it. I, at least I like to think so for the rest of his career, but, um, but all right, let's get into the life of Carson Palmer, his story, as mentioned, uh, played at USC. His collegiate stats, um, let's see. He was the 2002 Heisman Award winner, which is a uh, pretty big badge of honor, especially considering the lack of success that a lot of Heisman winners had in the National Football League. It's, uh, it's, It's pretty outstanding. That Carson Palmer can look back and and you know see he was one of those. Uh, his, you know, we'll we'll do his collegiate stats after that. But he did uh, he did he did pretty well for himself. He was roommates with Matt Castle and Troy Polamalu, which is a pretty neat college. Played on the same team. But uh, let's go into his NFL. Let's go into his NFL career. So on July twenty third, two thousand three, Palmer signed a six year contract worth forty two point sixty nine million dollars after being selected first overall by the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, he actually didn't play at all during his rookie season. They kind of sat him out. They let him learn his position and, and go, which is, you know, it's a very unique thing. Patrick Mahomes is one that I look back on and, and obviously sitting behind a guy like Alex Smith was, was great. But, um, who was he behind in 2000? Well, be- it was Kitna. It was Kitna. Yeah. Yeah, they have literally, he literally redshirted. They have nothing for him. I, I can't even click on the 2003, year 2003 for, for Carson Palmer. But, um, but he, yeah, so he sat behind John Kitna and learned. And Kitna was, uh, oh, he was a decent veteran. He was around for a little while at that point. Around for a little bit at that point, but a good person to kind of learn from. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. But uh, yeah, he learned a lot about his position. And uh, Marvin Lewis, yeah, they were like, okay, 20, 2004, you're going to be the guy. And he was. He started 13 games that year and finished eight and eight. He made his NFL debut in week one against the New York Jets. And Palmer in that game completed 18 of 27 passes for 248 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and uh, yeah, he was just very, 
yeah, the Jets held on. They they, they won thirty one to twenty four. But uh, you can just see this a bit of a fire and passion with with Carson Palmer. Uh, as far as you know, knowing what he had to to kind of be, but um, but yeah, I mean, just steady improvements. He wasn't like I said, he wasn't a world beater at first. His, his first season statistically wasn't exactly the greatest. And we all know how I'm a, I'm a stat junkie. It wasn't a very good one. It wasn't a very promising one, but there are there's certainly improvements. But uh, 2005 was a huge year and a huge improvement for the Cincinnati Bengals. Palmer led him. Uh, ending a 15-year uh, drought of win, not winning seasons, if that makes sense. They had not, the Cincinnati Bengals had not had a winning season since 1990. That makes total sense to me. <laughs> Does it? Right. This is true, right? I mean, the Bengals were kind of pretty obsolete in the 90s. A lot of bad they, draft picks. Kajana Carter, Achille, right? Achilles Smith. Achilles Smith uh, at one point. The great thing about the Bengals is they had Jeff Blake, Carl Pickens, and Darnay Scott, and Corey Dillon before they traded them to the Patriots. So yeah, that's right. That was like what I can remember. They drafted really, they always drafted high. Um, think about a guy like Big Daddy Wilkinson who was like this consensus number one pick, but was a guy that they said took plays off, but Cincinnati took him anyways, number one overall. Never never did anything, just bad coaching, bad management. I think was uh, Dick LeBeau was there, couldn't do anything. Bruce Coslett, just so many bad head coaches and just bad quarterbacks. David Klinger, oh my goodness, just... I could just name a lot of bad players, but like the guys before this era where I was like, yeah, you get hyped about the Bengals were Jeff Blake, Darnay Scott and Carl Pickens. And then other than that, it was just pure. There was really nothing. And those three names are probably not a lot of, I, I don't even know if you know, maybe Jeff Blake, but do you I know, know, I know Pickens? I know Blake. Yeah. Okay. But those were like the big, those were like their big names, even though they just were horrible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. Palmer had a really outstanding year. 2005 was he just, just big. This, this, this team, this really, really came together. Um, it did spectacular things. He had, he was the leading touchdown passer that year. As far as quarterbacks go, 32 touchdowns. Uh, first Bengals quarterback to finish with over a hundred QBR rating. Again, we'll go into the stats a little bit more in depth, but um you know, across the league, as far as good quarterback play goes, he was Palmer was one of the best. And you really don't you usually don't you usually don't see those kind of like gains like that quickly, I guess. Mm-hmm. Especially for the Bengals to go from where they were in two thousand four to to where they are in two thousand five, it's uh, it's it's pretty outstanding. But of course, um. Yeah, they looks like he got banged up a little bit towards the end of the season, right? Yeah, and then in the divisional game, like first play, first pass play, he goes back. He does hit Chris Henry for a 66 yard touchdown. This is where Fitzpatrick comes into play, right? No, no, he's with the Rams at that point. My apologies. He's way, yeah, he's way up. 
Timo, Timo, I can't even say his name, but he was a defensive lineman for the Steelers at that point. He came in, and this is where we get where Timo a lot Lund, of people. There we go. He, yeah, uh, yeah, he smacked Palmer's left knee, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was it was career threatening at the time, which is just horrible. They, I mean, this is something that Palmer, Palmer dealt with his entire career, but uh, but yeah, this injury really drove a rut and. Cincinnati's streak of not winning a single playoff game throughout Marvin Lewis's entire entire tenure. Um, you know, this, this is kind of added to it. They were like slated. They were that good. Like this is AFC championship game contenders in 05. That's how good they were. This is the year. This is the year that Pittsburgh, I think won, right? Yeah. This is where they went all the way through. Would they go through the Bengals, Colts and what Broncos? Yeah, I want and to actually, say, and they actually made a rule because of this hit. Yes, um, the Kimo von Olhoffen rule, which uh, resulted, uh, which requires that defenders take every opportunity to avoid hitting a quarterback at or below the knees when the QB is in a defenseless position. That's really where roughing the passer kind of comes to play. But, um, but yeah, so this was a, a big time thing. It, it, it literally shook up the entire Bengal season. Which is funny that this rule came off of that because uh, they've asked Carson Palmer about this, and he just says it. It, it was a football play. <laughs> like, like most quarterbacks are like, "Why is he hit me low?" He just, yeah, it it was a football play. But I remember this season. Like I said, the Bengals were firing all cylinders then, and they probably. This is a great what if because. Uh, Maybe they do make it to the Super Bowl. Oh, well, that's to remember that one. We're not too far away from what if season, right? We're probably. Oh, geez. I forgot about that. We're that close already. Just about January, right? January, February, I think. No, I think it's February, but that's yeah. only three months away. That's a bittersweet thing. It is. That's a bittersweet thing. It certainly is. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so it was a horrible ending. He rehabbed. He rehabbed really good. Came back, was back in time for preseason. He led. I mean, this is back when starting quarterbacks did a ton in the preseason, right? Massive difference from what it is nowadays. Um, he got a lot of good reviews. He came back strong in a 40-17 to 17 victory over the Green Bay Packers. He went 9-14 of 14 for 140 yards and three touchdowns in less than two quarters. And uh, and he would pretty much solidify that, hey, I'm back and I'm I'm as good as I was before the injury. Very Joe Burrow esque. That's that's what I like about this because we didn't no idea what Joe Burrow was going to be when he came back, but uh, after a, a solid leg injury, but Palmer came back and looked looked pretty good. Similar, a little bit of similar, you know, collegiate careers too, where just Palmer just had this one big year. Joe Burrow had one big year. Pretty linear. They both wear number nine, right? I think, yeah, I think so. What is Joe Barrow's number? I think he is number nine. Ooh. Oh, that's creepy. That's real creepy. Mm. Maybe there's a curse on the number nine with the Bengals. Could be. The Carson Palmer curse. We'll have to talk about that next October. Um, but yeah, Palmer, what's that? It is nine and nine. Nine so nine. there it is. 
Uh, but yeah, Palmer ended up starting all 16 games of the, the Bengals season that year. And he only literally missed one snap. He got the wind knocked out of him. And uh, yeah, he really didn't do, you know, he was good, of course. But week nine, he really got like, he he went off. He got over the 4,000 yard mark. Um, setting a French that I think it's still, it, I don't know if it's still the franchise record. Andy Dalton had some good years, but I might at least then franchise record 4,035 passing yards, um, 28 touchdowns. He made the Pro Bowl. And uh, yeah, but unfortunately, the team overall as a whole slipped to eight and eight. So um, Pittsburgh got him again. Pittsburgh bumped him out in week 16. So, uh, but yeah, Palmer, you know, again, showing his potential, showing us what he could be, the player that he could be, you know, he got named the, the Pro Bowl MVP and he pretty much just buried being Pro Bowl MVP. He goes, yep, I just want to be a Super Bowl. I want to play in a Super Bowl and I want to win a Super Bowl. And that's where my mind's at. And uh, yeah, he, he just, he went to work, workouts with Chad Johnson, who's Benzada, Tab Perry. And all this stuff. He was more motivated than ever. Uh, 2007 rolls around. And just, it just, I mean, I can understand his frustration. He had another um, decent year stat wise, completions, yards, touchdown INT ratio is not that great. But um, yeah, they were struggling hard. <laughs> Halfway through the season, they were two and five. And uh, it was just not good. Very Bengals-like stuff, though. Uh, moving on to the 2008, like which is which is hard because like you said, you got to do all this stuff, and then, and then your team just kind of lets you down. It's not great. Uh, 2008 happens, and uh, he got hurt again. Torn ligament, tendon surgery, and uh, or tendon injury, and uh, he almost had to get Tommy John surgery, which probably would have been it, right? I would imagine that that's pretty much a death spell on a career. Not so much anymore uh, with the way that modern medicine is. I know I've never really heard too many quarterbacks getting Tommy John, but from what I know from pitching, it's not really 100% death sentence like it was before. But it's not it's not good (laughs) that's probably the best way to say in it, but it's not like end of the world. Sometimes it depends on how you have and everything else. I know in baseball, it's a big deal. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So we go into 2009 going to 2009. He was feeling hundred percent. And, uh, yeah, he, he, I mean, decent starts, some tragedy occurred. Towards the end of the year, uh, Bengals receiver Chris Henry passed away. And, uh, you know, just emotional time. Carson unloaded on the San Diego Chargers. But uh, they did lose on a last-second field goal, unfortunately. Um, Bengals did make it back to the postseason, though. They made it back to the postseason. But they uh, Palmer just he struggled. He didn't do well, and he lost to a very good New York Jets team, 24-14. to this is the this is the New York Jets team that lost to Indianapolis, I think, in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, Rex Ryan, Mark Sanchez, Darrell Rivas, very good squad. That that 09, um 
there's also a point in 2009, it was week five against the Ravens. He got hit or something, and his brother was actually on the team, Jordan Palmer. And he goes to the sidelines and he looks at Jordan and he and he's like, Go to go to the trainer, tell him I need a black glove and black tape. And he said he looked over and on his left hand, he put up his left hand and his thumb just drooped down. He tore like every single tendon in his oh, thumb. That is on, his, on his left hand thumb. So he put on this glove, taped up his thumb up, and the whole entire game he just played played right-handed. He had a hand off the ball right-handed, couldn't go left, couldn't go right. And then also the Chris Henry thing, I think, is just one of those another great what-ifs or what could have what could have been because he was such a great young receiver. Yeah. At the, at that time and just playing. And I've I know Cincinnati Bengals, I know a Cincinnati Bengals fan, and he talks very highly of Chris Henry and I really love Chris Henry too. I thought he was going to be something spectacular. I'm not saying Randy Moss, but almost Randy Moss ask. And okay. that's how great Chris Henry could have been or was when he was playing. You saw something and he was also friends. Carson was also friends with Chris Henry. So definitely whenever you lose a friend, you know, whenever you lose a teammate, but then also when you're actually good friends with them on the team, it's going to hurt. It's tragic. No, no doubt. No doubt. Um, but yeah, you know, another season, another, another Bengals loss, you know, ultimately uh, 2010 comes up and, and Carson has to establish himself again as a bit of a leader. Um, 2010 NFL draft, the Bengals drafted three more, three receivers for Carson to, to kind of utilize um, a tight end by the name of Jermaine Gresham in the first Texas wide receiver, Jordan Shipley in the third, and Kansas wide receiver Desmond Briscoe in the sixth. And, uh, you know, during OTAs, Palmer's still there, still active, trying to get some stuff underway. He called out Chad Ochocinco, saying that the number one receiver should be there with the team. And uh, I'm guessing maybe holdouts for a contract or something or other. I'm actually not even sure where Carson Palmer and Chad Ochocinco stand today. I haven't heard. I've never knew that there was a little bit of a feud. I, I think they're fine. And I'll get into that at the end with okay. some with some cool facts. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right. So obviously um, so called them out, but uh they had TO on their team at this point, which is really peculiar. Um he completed some games in the twenty ten Hall of Fame game to TO. Uh, but TO was really on the backhand of his career. He just kind of wasn't he definitely wasn't the same player. Um but yeah, they didn't finish good again. Four and twelve finished in twenty ten. And Palmer just had enough. Just fundamentally, this team was just not good, right? It, it's it's always something, always something. Um, this offensive line, you know, just defense, just always something. So Palmer requested to be traded. He and, wanted. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry. They he, they didn't meet his demands. He pretty much had three demands, and this is kind of Aaron Rodgers <laughs> kind of thing here. But I think this is more to a frustration in with Cincinnati is that uh, his demand was, number one, he he wanted John Kitna there. He wanted John Kitna as his backup. Okay. Which I've never really, I've never heard that from a quarterback. So it's Eric, 
like Aaron Rodgers, but not like Aaron Rodgers. Cause I never heard Aaron Rodgers say, I want this guy as my backup. Right. He said about his quarterback coach, but he wanted Kitna and he wanted them to hire a GM for years. The de facto GM was Mike Brown. Who's just a team okay. president, right? Yeah. It's, Hey, I'm Paul Brown's kid. I know what's going on. I'm just the GM. And he wanted him to modernize. He wanted him to spend money. Cincinnati's always been and kind of looked at as a cheap team, especially during that whole entire losing years, was just cheap. You know, we're going to pay bare minimum. We're going to get bare minimum guy for that position instead of building it up. Right. And they just didn't do it. So that's when he was like, I don't want, I, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm just. Yeah, how could you how could you want to play? You 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 want to win. Your your goal is Super Bowl, but the franchise is not supporting you. Mm-hmm. That's a good comparison, though. The Aaron Rodgers deal. Never thought of that. Uh, I didn't even know that there was demands, but yeah, he requested it, and uh, Mike Brown said no, you're not having it. And uh, Palmer threatened retirement. He said, "I don't need to. I will never set foot in Paul Brown Stadium again. I have eighty million dollars in the bank." This is quoted. And uh, I said, I don't have to play football for money. I'll play it for the love of the game. And that would have to be elsewhere. And uh, yeah, Palmer's agent. I don't even know his name. He was vouching for him because of the lack of success that Carson, and the Bengals have experienced together. Carson strongly feels that a separation between him and the Bengals would be in the best interest of both parties. You know, they didn't win any playoff games, two playoff appearances. And it was just, just utterly embarrassing. So um, Palmer had a, direct conversation with Marvin Lewis told him that he had plans to retire and in turn, the Bengals drafted Andy Dalton that year, 2011 season. That's why they drafted Andy Dalton is because Carson Palmer just did not want to return. He wasn't really phased out. He wasn't, you know, but he did. He just, he affirmative action, wanted to move on, made a statement, said he was going to retire and, and changed it. I'm not going to say change the course, but it, it, I'm sure it altered their draft plans quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they selected Andy Dalton in the second round. And uh, President Mike Brown, who we just mentioned, stated that he, in a video press conference, he did not expect Palmer to return to the Bengals for the 2011 season. The organization wished him well and that there were no plans to trade him. Um. The reasoning was this Carson signed a contract. He made a commitment. He gave his word. He rel- we relied on his word. We relied on his commitment. We expected him to perform here. He's going to walk away from his commitment. We aren't going to reward him for doing it. It's a very front office answer. I, yeah, you know, we're, we're player minded guys, but if, if you're a front office minded person, it's kind of true from, from that point of view. But it's once again a quarterback driven league. Here's a guy doing everything he can. Right. You're not gonna do what he asks you to do. I like I said, I'm more on the side of Carson Palmer in this situation than I would be than I was on the side of Aaron Rodgers and his. Aaron Rodgers seems a little bit more selfish in his demands, where Carson Palmer just is like, dude let's do something to change this franchise and how it looks. Cause that's one of the reasons why a lot of people said, do, uh, you know, do an LA just don't get traded. Cause this is obviously before 
Oh no, and do it, you know, in LA or in Eli. Right. Or this before this is before Eli. You know, just tell them you don't want to play for him if they draft you. And he's like, No, I want to go there. I want to change the culture. And it's a very frustrating thing to work in a place and say, Okay, if we can do this, I'm gonna be happy. And they were like, No. We're just going to keep it the way we are. We're going to keep it mediocrity at its best. That's that's the dangerous thing about the NFL, too, is that, I mean, it's it's with any sport is, man, these owners, these GMs, they literally own you. You've got to make a lot of money if you play for them, if you play by their rules, but they're going to own you. And there's very seldom, there's very select few people who have the kind of power to to manipulate those decisions. Very few people. And unfortunately, based on Carson Palmer's track history, whether it be injuries, stats, games won, he didn't really have a whole lot to to back up what he was trying. You know what I mean? He didn't have a whole lot of um, bargaining ship equity, so to speak. And that's that's kind of why they just kind of like, OK, whatever. You don't want to play in our system. Goodbye. Ta-ta. See, and I... I... I get that, but this is like your best quarterback in over 20 years since Boomer, since they traded Boomer to the Jets. Right. And don't you think you want to hold on to that a little bit longer? I mean, you could say, well, the Andy Dalton worked out, but that's all hindsight at this point. What if Andy Dalton didn't work out? That's right. So, I mean, for a guy to say all this and want to actually change the franchise instead of having demands of fire this person, fire that person. No, just keep the same, keep the things the same, spend money, hire a GM. And I would like John Kitten as my backup done over with. I find those way more reasonable demands than trading for Randall Cobb. Who's like 105 years old. (laughs) I'll digress. That's how I feel in this situation. I don't think Randall Cobb is a, okay. He's a good, he's a great wide receiver. He makes a, pay, a living out of the NFL, but it was a very weird demand to kind of have that. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So in that 2011 season, you know, it, this is after begging and begging, and begging to be traded. Dalton uh, was doing really, really good. He had the, he, the Bengals number one team in the conference, six and two after nine weeks. And like, okay, we're, why even bother with with Palmer? Why why even do it? So the Raiders had just lost their starting quarterback, Jason Campbell, for the season. And they really, really needed a QB. And uh they traded him. They traded him. Uh he went in again midseason. So Palmer getting an out another opportunity goes to the Raiders to go play for his uh uh the previous offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach. At USC, Hugh Jackson, uh, who helped recruit Palmer to USC. And he was also the Bengals wide receivers coach while Palmer was there for for a period of time. Uh, The Bengals received a first round pick in the 2012 draft, which I'm actually curious as to who they drafted with that. Drake Kirkpatrick. Oh, interesting. Uh, Yeah. And they got it. Also had a conditional second round pick in the 2013 draft, which oh god, this is a very, very that's incredibly conditional. 
it would have been a first-round pick had the Raiders reached the uh, AFC Championship game in 2011. The Colts I don't know if they, kind of know if they were close to that. There's maybe a little bit of a fleece in there from uh, from Brown. This was a rough year, too, for the Raiders. In 10 did, days, did they have good years? I mean, well, in the 2000s, were they really a good team? Well, like 2003. So that's 10 Ten days before this trade, the ultimate Raider passes away in Al Davis. So, yeah, it's it, a bad year. it was a little. Was Al Davis the best GM towards the end of his years? No, but think about this guy's ruled the Raiders with an iron fist from, geez, when they were in the AFL all the way until his passing in 2011. Right. He was at least a part owner of the Raiders. And I think he was even a coach before this from 1966 to 2011. So that's how long he was a part owner or an owner of the Raiders and a general manager. And then you lose, he was involved. You lose that. And you're like, what are we going to do now? We've never done this. We talked about the, the, the Hayden Christensen thing um, before about how he played it and the whole Anakin Skywalker getting, you know, left out. These are probably a bunch of kids that are people that didn't know what really what to do. And they were like, yeah, let's just go with this. Carson Palmer. All right, we could do this. And Hugh Jackson probably was like, yeah, okay. I had him at USC. I had him with the Bengals. This is great. And he was actually quoted as saying that this was the greatest trade ever made. (laughs) Okay. And then he goes back and he goes, he was like, oh, the reason why I did that is because I was trying to give, I was trying to give our team hope. Al Davis just died. And, you know, I was just trying to give him hope. No, you just opened up your mouth once again and inserted foot, Mr. Jackson. Yeah. Hugh Jackson's a turd. I'm sorry. He's a turd. Um, so, yeah. So, but they did give, he did give a little bit of hope, baby. Um, you know, yeah, sure. Dalton went out of the pro bowl, uh, but Hugh Jackson actually got terminated after the season because of this trade. That's how bad it was. They fired Hugh Jackson because of this trade. I find it funny that Hugh Jackson gets fired after a year after making this trade. And then it took two bad trades for some, for in Texas to be like, Bill O'Brien, you got to go buddy. (laughs) Yeah. He thought this first. Yeah. This is a Hugh Jackson. Sorry, buddy. You got to go. Let's see here. Then the, the Bengals ended up rehiring Jackson eventually. Um, but Palmer signed a four-year contract for 43 million, which is very, uh, which is very strange. If it was that one side why would they extend him like that? Well, there was very, there was a variety of factors. I, I shouldn't say it's all Palmer, but it was, um, it was, it, it was a, it was a pretty significant reason for, for fast for that. Um, Palmer eventually changed his number. In, in with the Raiders to number three, but uh, yeah, and we're in the 2011, yeah, rest of the 2011 season. Uh, the Raiders 
finished eight and eight that year, four and five under the Palmer regime, and they lost the AFC West tiebreaker to Denver. Um, and they finished one game out of the playoffs, so they were they were relatively close. The Palmer, so the Palmer trade didn't really help matters much. But uh, 2012, they decided to roll a Palmer again. Start off 0 and 1, and then they lost to the Dolphins in Week Two. And then they, uh, he he finally beat his old rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers, with the Raiders, 34 to 31. And uh, yeah, they were getting off to a good start, beating some decent teams. And yeah, the wheel started to kind of fall off. The Raiders went four and eleven under Palmer, and his year was his career as a Raider was eight and fifteen. So, not great. No, not great. Raiders have to move on. Got his first start fresh. Twenty thirteen season, they trade him to the Arizona Cardinals. He signed a two year restructured contract for sixteen million. And uh, he's with Bruce Arians, who is just leading, you know, just coaching at, for in, in place of Chuck Pagano, who's out with cancer. Did a really good job with Andrew Luck. And uh, he he gave Palmer career resurgence. He did. Bruce Arians, brilliant quarterback coach. Brilliant offensive coordinator. Um, he had Palmer. He helped Palmer lead the Cardinals to a 10-6 record. But uh, they got eliminated from playoff contention in week 17. So same old playoff woes for Carson Palmer. But a uh, a 10 and 6 record is not too shabby. No. He was the eighth best passer that year. Again, we'll go through the stats in a little bit. But um, but yeah, sad ending. Sad ending. They did beat the... Uh, he did beat the Seahawks that year, which was a big deal. That's 2013. That's the year that Seattle shut down Denver, I think, in the Super Bowl. So pretty good showing there. 2014, he's back. He's uh he got right. Yeah, it looks like he got hurt. That's probably his he has ACL year. November 9th, 2014, he retours ACL. And then uh yeah. And then 2015, he came back and and it was really, really good. Like I said, he he missed out. Well, okay, he took second place in the MVP awards, which is pretty crazy. But uh, it was by a very wide margin. Uh, oh no, excuse me, he tied for second. Cam Newton received 48 out of 50 votes, and then Palmer and Tom Brady tied at one apiece. But uh, it was a pretty just significant. Yeah, he, they got waxed in the NFC Championship game. But an absolutely incredible year for Palmer. Kind of his send-off season. Uh, 2016, they started off. They, they were kind of, I remember the Bills upset them, in tw- like beat him in 2016. Everyone thought it was this huge upset. But uh, I'm pretty sure it was 2016. Was it? Yes, it must have been. But uh, the Cardinals didn't do so hot, seven, eight, and one season. Um, still hit it. Palmer still had a very good year. Don't get me wrong. Palmer still had a good year, but the Cardinals fell off a little bit. And then 2017, he got hurt, and that was it. Um, he decided to retire on January 2nd, 2018. After saying on December 1st that he felt pretty good about returning. So, um, but it's crazy because uh, Palmer's actually in the Arizona Cardinals ring of honor. 
after what three, four seasons, something like that. I know Arizona's not a. Uh, yeah, we. Yeah, it's one we, of those places. We touched on that during the uh, Pottsville Cougars episode, where they don't really have that superstar uh, out of the football world type player, right? That can step from the sports world into the pop culture realm. I know our two teams have that where their team really doesn't. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, here's some statistics here for you all. A little stats portion of the show um, for Carson Palmer. So let's go back to his college, his collegiate stats. Again, Heisman winner, his, uh, his, his final year. His stats in college overall, uh, five seasons, all right, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, and 2002, 1,569 passing yards, 59.1, I mean, no, 1,569 attempts, 927 completions across his his career, 53 games played, 11,818 passing yards, 72 touchdowns, 49 um interceptions his best year 2002 33 uh 33 touchdowns to 10 and then he had 3942 passing yards that year so everything was was pretty solid now let's go on to his nfl career statistics then all right his best um let's see he had well excuse me 92 and 88 and one record as a starter 3,941 career completions, 62.5% completion percentage, 46,247 career passing yards with 294 touchdowns to 187 interceptions. That's actually a pretty good run. That's actually a pretty good run. Uh, he didn't, his stats were kind of all like over the place. His best completion percentage year was his second year, 2005. His best passing yards year was, um, of course, it's not going to work right now. Was I believe the 2013 season for passing yards? It was no, it was 20, it was 2015. Excuse me, 4671. Most touchdowns was also 2015. Um, yeah, it was actually a pretty good, pretty good stint. So, but uh, I want to look at his awards and accomplishments as well and read those off. It's something I definitely want to start doing if we do these player profiles going forward. Uh, 2016, he was number 12 in the NFL Top 100. He has three, three oh, those are just shares. Three-time Pro Bowler, 2005, 2006, and 2015. Player of the Week three times, 2013 Week 12, 2009 Week 7, and 2004 Week 13. He was the 2005 September AFC Offensive Player of the Month. Uh, he ranks 14th all-time in passes completed. We already mentioned those numbers. Uh, 15th all-time in passing yards. 14th all-time in passing touchdowns. 30th all-time in passer rating. 36th in passes intercepted. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of that's, that's kind of it. That's that's kind of it. I think he's going to be eligible for the Hall of Fame next year. I was if he retired at the end of 2017. I mean, I don't know if he's going to get in. He probably won't get in. 
but his eligibility should open up for the Hall of Fame next year, I think, after next year. Right? 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. So, so after next years, season. Four or five, right? It's five. It's five. I can't remember what sport. It used to be like seven years. Hmm. It, used to, yeah, it was weird. Yeah. So, yeah, so this is your stats for uh, for Carson Palmer over his career. Yes. And some interesting things about Mr. Carson Palmer. Did you know that his quarterback career almost ended <laughs> before it even got started? I did not. Uh, his father, they they moved they moved around a lot, but his father always made sure that they played football. And they were moving from California to Connecticut. And his father said, "We're going to go out there a week early because for some reason Carson didn't think that there was football in Connecticut." He said, "Well, we'll go out there a week early. We'll go to this football camp, and you know, we'll get you we'll get you going in the football." And he was always a bigger kid. He said he was probably about 10 pounds, eight inches, you know, more than most kids were on this bus that he was on. And the coach looked at him and was like, nope, you're not going to play quarterback, even though he's like, I want to play quarterback. He's like, no, uh, we're going to move you to O-line. So his father, this is absolutely amazing. This is some commitment right here. His father actually said, you know what? You guys stay back in California I'll work during the week in Connecticut. I'll fly back Friday after work. I will catch your games. And then Sunday night, I will fly back to Connecticut. That's crazy. Just so he could stay and play as a quarterback. Um, So his, his quarterback coach that his father hired for him is was named by the name of Bob Johnson, and he is the father of former Buccaneers and Buffalo Bills and Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Rob Johnson. Hmm. So there's there's that. That's crazy. <laughs> Did not know yeah. that. And we all remember the Chad Ochocinco name tape that was Velcroed onto his back before one of the games. That was, according to Chad Johnson, that was Carson Palmer's idea all <laughs> to do that. He said, you know what would be great is if you got a Velcro name tape and you put it on the back of your jersey and then you could just tear it. We'll just tear it off before the game starts. <laughs> and Chad did it. So what we know, what we talked about in the beginning is he's a guy that could get a bad rap, but they say once you get to know him, He's got a very dry sense of humor. He comes off like that. He definitely comes off like that. Like an Andrew Luck kind of, well, not even as clean, not as clean cut, but just very like, you know, oh, wow, you're hilarious. Kind of, kind of sense of humor. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? He does, he does seem a little, you know, different. Yeah. They say it's a a dry sense of humor, but he does have a sense of humor. And that's probably contributed to mostly he likes to value his private. He values his private life. And he was once twice. He was voted into the top 10 most hated NFL players. <laughs> he was like, ah, whatever. And his wife was like, no, he's a really good guy. And she's like, and she would get mad at him because he wouldn't kind of put himself out there as a star. He was just like, you know, I'm fine. But when you talk to coaches that had him, 
they say he's probably one of the best peer passers to ever play the game. And the one word that always stands out and definitely has to stand out as we talked about all of his injuries and injuries that occurred during games, as they said, he's got to be one of the toughest quarterbacks to ever play the game. I mean, yeah, he played through a lot of injuries with a lot of injuries. I could definitely see that. I have to go watch some Carson Palmer film. It's I watched some doing research and it's pretty amazing. It's the way that he could just launch the ball was like pretty shocking. Cause you don't think, cause once again, he's so low profile that maybe if he did have that higher profile, people would know more about him and think higher, more highly of him. But he's just, he's like, Hey, I'm Carson Palmer. I'm going to come here. I'm going to do this. Um, and then I'm going to go home. I'm going to work really hard. And then I'm going to go home and I'm just going to have fun with my family and my friends. He lives now in like some place, I believe in Idaho with 2,800. The population is like 2,800 people. Good for him. That's kind of the dream, right? You make a lot of money. You just go retire where there's nobody. I love mm-hmm. that. And then I mentioned his brother, Jordan Palmer, is like the new quarterback guru that everybody goes to. Like Josh Allen went to him, and now Josh Allen's spectacular. Right. So that's his That's his brother as well. That's, that's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. There's not too much, <laughs> too much stuff on Mr. Carson Palmer. No, not entirely. Not, not, yeah, he's, he's very reserved. He's very uh, Brock Lesnar-esque, where he just kind of likes to keep to himself. Um, but yeah, I do, I do have an appreciation for Carson Palmer. Uh, I mean, do we talk about his where his legacy? I mean, we don't think he's going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, right? We don't think he's going to get that honor. A few Pro Bowls, you know, never any really record-breaking statistics. I don't. I don't know. It's getting weird with the Hall of Fame. He might sneak in. He's probably one of those guys where where he's ranked and where he's kind of managed to stay. I know he's only been out for what five years. Four yeah, five- twenty seventeen. He after twenty seventeen, he retired. So, so twenty eighteen yeah. was technically his first year being retired. Yeah, so he hasn't been out that long, but he's still kind of maintained that spot where there's not too many players coming up. So maybe if he can maintain his spot there, just maybe he gets in, maybe not first ballot, but maybe he sneaks in at one point. Maybe he's one of those senior write-ins that one, you know, gets in later on. And I don't know if you've ever, yeah, seen maybe those. in like a down year or something, a down year for, for quarterbacks. Maybe, I don't know. I don't maybe. see it personally. I, as much as I love Carson, I don't, I don't know if, if he's really has a resume because if people say that Philip rivers isn't a hall of famer, then and th- that's a very loud, maybe minority or maybe it's a majority. I don't know about that one, but I don't, I wouldn't, I, I could not put Carson Palmer over a Philip rivers or some of those quarterbacks from that era. I couldn't. Yeah, I could say. I could see that, but I think what Philip Rivers has over Carson Palmer, and I'm not taking anything away from from either one of these guys, but Philip Rivers was he was out there. Personality, I, 
personality. Like people know Philip Rivers because of the personality, and I think he gets some hate for that sometimes. And I never understood why you love Philip Rivers so much until I watched like Philip Rivers mic'd up, and <laughs> I just realized that he's your Brett Favre to me, just yeah. the guy that out there just having fun and where and i think that waves weighs heavily into him i think you got to look at guys the hall of fame talk comes into you got to look at the guys that are in the hall of fame and the guys that aren't in the hall of fame so if this player x gets in we got to look at the past and see why this player o didn't get in right and i think that's where it gets so jumbled with the hall of fame Maybe you can make maybe you can make our hall of appreciation. If he doesn't get in, I know there's a spot for him in there. I would definitely say so. I would definitely say so. But um, but I think that's a wrap, everybody. I think that is a wrap on this episode. All right, showing Carson Palmer a little bit of love. Uh, Andrew, who are we talking about next week? We are talking about John Hadel. John Hadel, quarterback of the 1970s. 60s and 70s AFL gunslinger going on. So, so some vintage stuff there. Very much looking forward to learning about John Hadel myself, but uh, that is it everybody for this week's episode. I appreciate you all so much. And uh, on behalf of Andrew and I till next time, the two point conversation is good. Yeah, it's fine.